Look at the adjective. Play. Now is the franchise going to take the Viagra? Oh, going to put the butts in the seat. Hello there, wrestling fans, and welcome to episode number 21 of Because WCW, the podcast where the big boys play. And thank you so much for downloading us wherever you may get your podcasts from. My name is the Twisted Genius, Dinas, and I am joined as ever by my esteemed co-host, Mr. Liam Happ. Liam, how are you doing? Uh, I'm all right, I suppose. Well, as you know, Dean, uh, yesterday there was, a, there was a big moment in British wrestling history that you and I were both set to be a part of, and uh, duty called for me uh, at home with the family, so I ended up having oh. to miss out on progress doing Wembley Arena, and Doug Williams calling it a career, and... And Jimmy Havoc trying to make sure they never got to run Wembley ever again. <laughs> yes, and uh, just to, uh, to to lift the veil a little there, we are recording this on Monday night, the 1st of October. And uh, yes, we, we were scheduled to have a Because WCW field trip uh, to Wembley Arena to witness the largest uh, independent show in, well, in England for many years it's the first time a british wrestling show has been at wembley arena since 1981 when big daddy and giant haystacks had their infamous singles match and i can say the main event was definitely better uh in 2018 than in 1981 but um sadly yes your uh, your little girl was ill and needed her daddy she did it's part and parcel of it i'm the i'm the timing carer at the moment so yeah uh Good, good timing by her. Oh yeah, I'm getting used to that. Uh, so there's more of that to come. But by all account, I'm, I'm glad everyone who went enjoyed it. It looked like a blast. I'm so glad it happened more so than whether or not I was there. This, you know, we've touched upon the British wrestling situation many times on this podcast, and it's great to see it continuing to get stronger and stronger. Uh, yeah, it's 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 amazing. You know, you you look. I, I was I was sat up in the tiers quite near the quite near the back and it was amazing because I was just able to look out on this this sea of humanity 4,750 they announced um, that looked by my untrained eye to be a fairly legit figure um, and yeah the, they they'd curtained off the top tier but you know there's very very few um, seats empty seats to be seen anywhere uh, and it was a, a great atmosphere. Um, they they revealed I didn't realise this at the time, but they revealed that actually Wembley Arena approached them because they Wembley Arena had picked up that Brit, British wrestling is kind of cool right now. So um, so yeah, they they went to to progress and um, it was it was great. And from a, a personal standpoint, it was great to be. I, I think I think I'm probably the only person in the world who was present at Doug Williams' first match of his career and last match of his career. Um, so it was great to see that. It was great to see so many people that I've known for a number of years, um, you know, who have 
worked for little community centres and leisure centres and working men's clubs around the country in front of an audience of 50 or so. And to see them in, at Wembley Arena on a British show it was amazing. Tiny bit jealous, obviously, but, you know, really, really pleased for those guys. And, and they knocked it out of the park. I mean, it did go a little bit long. Um, it was scheduled to finish at half eight. It finished at just gone nine o'clock and they did have a, a few, a fair few people walking out because I had, you know, trains to catch, uh, because of the great British public transport system, which seems to uh, finish earlier and earlier on the Sunday. Um, and so to make it up to people, they've actually, they, they said they're going to put the main event on their demand progress for free. Um, so, you know, it was, it, it was great. And, and this happening on the same weekend that, that, WS Wrestling finished its 10-week um, run on ITV. Um, I haven't seen the last episode yet, but from all accounts, the main event is absolutely tremendous, and, and the whole series is kind of built up to this. So, you know, the, these are the things. When when Doug Williams and I took our first steps into the British wrestling scene in um, November 1993, these were the things that we dreamed of, you know. These were the things, and we didn't think they were ever going to be possible. You know, if you'd have said back then you'll get wrestling on ITV again, you'll sell you'll you'll sell out Wembley Arena, nah, wouldn't wouldn't have thought it possible. So, so absolutely fantastic, and, and long may it continue. Um, and and you you missed a hell of a show. The main I got to say the main Jeez, event, you, you, no problems. Um, the main event of um, Valter against Tyler Bate, very much like a, a Japanese style main event big. Type, big match title showdown. Um, both guys had seconds with them, um, which was uh, Timothy Thatcher being the the um, colleague in ring camp for Valter, and Pete Dunne and um, Trent Seven, British Strong Style for for Tyler Bate. And there wasn't much of a, a you know a grudge or a personal rivalry. It was just basically wanting to be the champion, which is always the kind of title match I like. Um, and you know they did really well. The crowd were a little bit they were a little bit quiet for the preceding two matches because all in all it went about five and three quarter hours, including the pre-show. So it got to you know WrestleMania levels of crowd fatigue. But then when the main event came along, it, it certainly picked up. So. Um, Congratulations to all involved. And uh, the week before that, we had a great weekend um, with IPW in uh, our, our new uh, Kent venue of Maidstone. Um, Doug Williams had his last match for IPW. Um, narrowly, avoid, narrowly failed challenging Kip Sabian for the IPW world title. Um, and then the next night, Naomichi Marafuji from Pro Wrestling Noah. He flew in especially for this match. And um, him and Doug just absolutely knocked it out of the park. Just one of the, it's well worth going out of your way. Go to the uh, IWN um, International Wrestling Network, uh, IPW on demand, anywhere like that, and get hold of this match. Believe you me, it's worth watching. Absolutely fantastic. So, so it's been two big weekends for British wrestling, really. Yeah, and you know what? If you think about it, in, in 50 years' time, if Doug Williams' name isn't held in the same regard with regards to British wrestling history as the likes of Big Daddy. Mick McManus, Giant Haystacks, and something got lost in translation because you, you really can't understate the, the impact he has had and the, uh, and the role he played in bringing British wrestling up to another level. Not once, maybe not even twice, but three times in his career, I feel like he's done wonders for the wrestling scene over here, whether yeah. it's with his efforts here or when he did 
go over and crack the states with a run in TNA, which makes me think, you, you know, if I, I, I know I write about it in my spare time, just on the hypothetical, but on the hypothetical, if WCW had somehow survived and managed to keep its life with fusion away from uh, the, uh, the the mess that was Time Warner and thing and Turner and things like that, uh, if they had carried on from 2001 onwards. Uh, there is no way that Doug Williams Wharton have been a, a significant member of the WCW roster. And that would have been a nice hypothetical to have uh, imagined. Obviously, on my fan fiction, he's already made his debut. So, <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I mean, it's, you know, the only, the only place that he, he didn't really uh, make much, you know, have, have a run was, was the WWE. And you've got to think nowadays, you know, the way that the, the, the scene is, that it had Doug Williams been, in in his prime, now he would probably be signed to a WWF or NXT UK or somewhere contract. Well, you say that, but look at Nigel McGuinness. Just when it looked like his WWE dream was dead, and he did that amazing uh, documentary, that crowdfunded documentary about his his travails and his plight. Uh, look at him now, very insightful color commentator who, who helps make it slightly more bearable listening to Ronaldo every week. I like Mauro Ronaldo. I know you're not a fan, and I know we'll have this. We have most, this discussion. Most people do because they feel like they're not allowed to offend him. <laughs> I, I like him, but anyway. Um, the other thing I have to say as well, when you're talking about the you know history, looking at Doug Williams, it it disappoints me, and I hope what, that one day this gets resolved. I would like to see his name on the uh, Wrestling Observer Hall of Fame ballot for for Europe because yeah. I think he deserves it. I mean, Big Daddy himself is not even there yet, so British wrestling still has a, a lot of work to do to get respect for that. But maybe Dave Meltzer's trip over here for the Wrestling Media Con a few weeks ago helped enlighten him. I know he had a, a couple of our listeners, including one, Alan Cheapshot, the notable guy off Twitter, was harassing him all weekend, asking, why, why isn't Big Daddy in the Hall of Fame? Why isn't Big Daddy in the Hall of Fame? He's on the, uh, he's on the list for this year's entries. I know you've got a vote in that, Dean. He uh, well, well, yeah. I was, I, I wasn't going to say, but now, you, yeah, I, was, I, um, I do get a vote, and and he is on the ballot, and I will not be voting for Big Daddy. So. <laughs> <laughs> simply put, I mean, I've, I've had the, I've had the discussion on Twitter with a, a few people, but simply put, for me, um, you know, it's about being a draw. It's about being, um, a, a good, a great worker or a good worker putting on good matches and. While Big Daddy was a huge draw in the UK and you know transcended wrestling in this country, his matches were universally terrible. Um, and you know, if if I was showing an American or Mexican or Japanese fan who'd never seen a Big Daddy match, a Big Daddy match, any point, I'd, whatever match it was I chose, I would be cringing because it's like it was it wasn't good. It wasn't good, but you know, so so no, I I would not be voting for Big Daddy, and that won't be changing anytime soon. Well, I see I see where your point's coming from, and I'm kind of lean that way myself. But as far as the Hall of Fame goes, I suppose one thing I'll say it is a Hall of Fame, not a Hall of Great Work. So yeah, it's it's a real conflict because as you said, he's he had it all in one area and absolutely jack in another. So yeah, whereas a lot of guys will you know the first ballot Hall of Famers have both, obviously. And there'll be a lot of people who who get argued the toss where they weren't a draw, but they were incredible workers. 
uh, and this is a reverse of that. So that's an interesting topic. But yeah, getting back onto it, Doug Williams definitely deserves for, for his contribution. And what he did, you, you have to be over here, I think, to see the significance of what he helped do because uh, the British wrestling scene we have now wouldn't have been possible, not, not just because of Doug alone, but because of people like him. Uh, and he's the leader because he was one of the, the best workers of that group of people who helped make our current thriving scene happen. And because yeah. he's one of the most notable, because he had that run in TNA and he prominent in Ring of Honor and he wrestled in Japan and all over the world, uh, he's probably the, the figurehead of that group of people who helped us get where we are today. Definitely, definitely. Okay, let's um, let, let's let's move on to today's podcast, and we are we are trying something new. Um, Liam, tell the tell the good folks. Oh, actually, before before we do that, I just want to mention one one thing from from the Wembley show. Actually, um, I was going to say without wishing to sound big headed, but fuck it, I'm going to sound big headed. Whenever I go to a wrestling show, I usually expect someone to to recognise me from somewhere, and you know, I, it, it's just nature of the beast having been around wrestling for, for that long um, and looking like one of the hairy bikers. People know who I am. Um, and normally when someone stops me, it's like they either know me. Quite often it's, oh, I remember you managing Paul Birch on the FWA. Sometimes it's 1PW, sometimes it's IPW commentary. But I was in the queue at the bar and this uh, chap tapped me on the shoulder, excuse me, you Dean ass, and, and yeah. And, and he said, oh, I listen to Because WCW Podcast. Um and it was great because it's like, yeah, we record this podcast and we see the we see the download figures, but to actually see a real life living person who downloads the podcast and listens to it and he'd been listening to uh, to Super Bowl five on, on the train up to London. Um, it, it was really good. It really, it, it did really warm the cockles of my heart. So, uh, Nathan, if you, well, I'm sure he'll be listening because he listens. So I'd like to say hello to Nathan, who I saw at Wembley. Thank you for your support, sir. And, um, if, uh, if, if you like this, if you like this podcast, then please tell your friends and, and, uh, and get some more people downloading us, grow our numbers. It's all for free. Um, but yeah, it was, it was really good just to, just to kind of meet a, an actual real life listener. Oh yeah, I mean, uh, you touched upon the, the the figures. You know what we we don't get the numbers of your most absolute famous podcasts within wrestling. Probably never will. Uh, you know, if if a guy like Stone Cold Steve Austin just suddenly decides he's doing the podcast, that's it. He, his numbers are going to trump anyone who starts from scratch. But we know we have a really nice core base of listeners who over the last year uh, have checked us out and keep checking us out and interact with us and share their love of world championship wrestling and other such shitty failed ideas of wrestling. <laughs> and, and you know what? This is why we do it, because there's so many people who enjoy doing what we do, which, which is talking about wrestling. So, yeah, we're going to keep that going. And you mentioned about this episode, yeah, we have been mooting doing different ideas for episodes, but one of the main reasons that we're going for this and we're going for broke is because we hit the one year mark. We were quite chuffed with how, you know, they're modest numbers, but more than we ever dreamed would actually want to tolerate listening to us. 
and we thought, you know what, we're, we're going to keep evolving this, we're going to keep this rolling. So, you, you know, anyone who's listened to most of the episodes will be aware that we usually cover a pay-per-view, pro- preferably with a, with a guest tagging along who uh, gets to pick the show and a theme at the end. And we do some proper discourse, don't we, Dean? We we dive into the matches, we break them down, we laugh at the bad, we marvel at the good. Um, and another famous idea of of podcasting is some people do live watch-alongs, where they'll provide almost it's almost like an alternative commentary. If you've got the network, you can you don't have to, but you can stick on this episode. Put on our podcast to time it with when, when we start watching it in a minute. Because we'll be watching this. We haven't watched this show in, in quite some time. We're going to be watching it as we talk about it. And we're going to provide a live watch-along alternative commentary. You can listen to it on its own or, or with the show. And rather than planning our bullet points and taking notes and cutting out any any flubbed words we're gonna do this live and unscripted and unplanned just how it was it's fitting isn't it Dean because you know we're, we're looking at the Monday Night Wars with this rather than the pay-per-views or we did the first funder but we don't really do loads of funders this is gonna be Monday Nitro the show that pretty much changed the landscape of wrestling and you know, for as long as we can bother doing we'll, we'll whenever we get a chance, we'll do an episode in chronological order. So we'll start with number one, September 1995. This Good was place where, to start, yeah. yeah. And this was this was where it all began with, you know, you hear the famous Eric Bischoff line about Ted Turner asked him, what can we do to beat WWE? And he said, give me two hours on, uh, or, or in, the case, in, the, in the early doors, it was one hour. Give me a slot on Monday night to go up against them. Uh, which is a beautiful bit of dialogue. It came out of Bischoff's mouth, which means it probably isn't true, but it's a beautiful bit of dialogue. <laughs> you know, romanticise it, Hollywood it up. If you do a biopic, that's exactly how he's going to say it, even if he said the complete opposite. And, yeah, it's, it, you know, for many reasons we'll get into as it happens, as we watch it. It's a very notable episode. And we'll see how it goes. Well, you know, whatever we say stays on. So sorry about that in advance, especially as far as I'm concerned. And it'll be nice, it'll be nice, Dean, because you and I we go to live viewings thanks to Hooked on Events, who are awesome like brothers of this podcast. You know, we have Paul Benson on here, and we've we've sat at home with our friends with some beers and watched wrestling, whether live or classic shows. And you just talk while you watch, you just shoot the breeze as you're watching it. And that's what we hope to bring to this. This isn't going to be seminar-esque. This isn't going to be meticulous. This is just going to be two guys who love WCW uh, <laughs> going completely unfilled. And I'm regretting this more and more the more I talk about it. So maybe we should just start. <laughs> Let's see how we go, shall we? Okay. Um, by the way, when you were, early on when you were talking, I think something was scraping against your microphone because I could hear a kind of a shh, shh, kind of noise like a you know when those kind of noises yeah that will happen from time to time and i'm not just going to say it's to you dean but i'm going to say it's to everyone who listens because i I, i'm really i'm not going to post-produce this bloody episode Uh, sorry about (laughs) sorry about any noises so basically dean's taking us behind the curtain i leave a bit of background well you know we both can sometimes or guess so you know whatever it is I'll go through episodes of Fine Tooth Comb for a few hours before I put them up because I like them to be the highest possible quality. And I will continue to do that and I will try and avoid any background noise on on these sort of ones. But 
these ones and this is part of the this is part of the appeal compared to doing our regular episodes this is going up as is and hopefully it's not too much of a an an ear molestation for the oh, viewers man, you're, you're you're literally not editing anything out man remind me not to mention about the rash that i had to that doctor about anyway <laughs> listen up slap nuts that's right this is jeff jarrett the chosen one and you're listening to because wcw now choke on that so if you are if you are going to uh, be joining us live we have we have put the, the the wwe network on we have waited for whatever advert comes on to play and i have pressed pause with a black screen and the time at zero 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 so we'll, we'll give you a little a little bit of time if you want to play along with us obviously if you if you you're not watching it along with us then that's absolutely fine you know if you're on a train or a car journey or whatever don't worry we will we will tell you what's going on as well this yeah this kind of reminds you a little bit of when i had to commentate on wrestling on the on talk sport radio that was that was an interesting experience but as i as i mentioned in the um i think in our previous episode the concept of this in a strange way terrifies me because i'm one of these people especially because i'm a wrestling commentator preparation is the key for me i like to i like to get my facts and figures and stats and so on um and and this is the complete opposite in that we're just going for it so so yeah so uh you're ready liam i'm as ready as i'll ever be okay if you <laughs> I feel like well, a kid's TV presenter now. If you're ready at home, um, we'll give a, a three-second countdown, and then we will press play. And with a bit of luck, um, we will all be uh, in sync with one another. So I've got this set up on my TV uh, via my PlayStation, and um, hopefully I'll be able to hear it without you hearing me hearing it, if you see what I mean. I don't know how sensitive this microphone is, but hey, it's nothing we'll find out. So yep. are you ready? Yeah, okay, let's, let's in, do this. Okay, so we'll be pressing play in three, two, one, play. Slight tense loading, pause. But right, here we go. I have got... Oh, 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 it reminds me of my own neighbourhood. <laughs> oh, yeah, the, the traffic lights have exploded. Yeah, and But do you know what? I love this opening. This was brilliant. This was one of the best... This caught my eye with Nitro. And Vader is on the opening there, but he never actually made it to an episode, did yeah, he? Yeah, funny story. He got fired basically around this week. The Disney yeah. tapings around this week. So, yeah, they hadn't edited that yet. It usually takes a week or so, doesn't it? Yeah. So, here we are, Mall of America, which is a really odd-looking place to have a show because it kind of, on the one hand, it looks really cheap, and on the other hand, it looks really awesome because it's somewhere you don't normally get a wrestling show. Yeah, well, think of Raw, Manhattan Center, 93. They've gone for that vibe, but in their own way. And considering they spent their last few years, WCW, completely ripping WWE off, at least they found their own way of doing it. Oh, fuck, it's Mongo. Yeah, I think I'm a little, I'm a few seconds ahead of you because you had that pause. But yeah, we've yeah. got Mongo. Yeah, it just reminds me and, of Blazing uh, Sabres. here comes Heenan. See, now that was ripped directly off of Raw because they did that whole thing with Heenan inviting himself to Raw, didn't they? So it's uh, not completely original. But at least you've got someone to teach Mongo how the fuck to commentate. Oh, he had charisma. He's got personality. As a third guy, I get it. But then they As put him in the guy, ring. Yeah. Yeah. Now you talked. You talked about Raw. Now I'm. I did. I, I'm. I'm afraid I must confess. I did do a little bit of preparation for this. Of course uh, you did. But I'm, you? I'm. 
I'm me. I'm right in saying though that there was no Monday Night Raw running opposite this. This there was, was one not. of this was one of two weeks where there was no. I think this was the second week where there was no Raw because of you said the U.S. Open tennis was. Yeah, it? Pete Sampras beat Andre Agassi over four sets. Yeah, I kind of prepared as well. Oh, we got yeah. a match. That's Here weird. We Normally we have like ten minutes on a WCW show. That's a it's good sign. Jushin Thunder Liger. Hell yes. Do you a remember when we had Mike Quackenbush on? Today. Yeah, do you remember when we yes. had Mike Quackenbush on? I think Mike, Mike probably conveyed the whole thing about Liger better than we ever could. But look him here in the mall. You can see the shops in the background as he leaps over the ropes. This is brilliant. As far yeah. as the first show goes, it's already caught my eye in so many ways. And I'll, I'll say that happily about this. <laughs> sign says, where the big boys play. But the weird thing is, it's like the, the entranceway is really underwhelming because you're basically, he's just, I think Brian Pillman's just walking past the bar. Oh no, the great train store. Brian Pillman has had to walk past the great train store to make his entrance. I, I, I get what you're saying, but I'll I get a kick out of it. If, if they'd have no, still it's... been in these 10 years later, yeah. or, or even two years later, I'd say fair enough. But do you, oh, do you know what they should have done? They should have had someone make their entrance coming up or down from one of the lifts. Or yeah. elevators that Americans call well, them. It would have been Pillman, not Liger. Do you know why? Because why? blondes have more fun. Love that entrance theme. Someone's <laughs> got to pick that for an episode. So, so Pillman, Pillman's wearing a different outfit. I don't, I don't remember him wearing this. He's sort of got long red tights with black tassels down the sides. Cowboy style. Yeah. Hof- hopefully, it's not the ring jacket that Pillman Junior wore last weekend and uh, had stolen. Did you see about that? No. Yeah, apparently someone stole a jacket and then someone tweeted about an altercation between Shane Douglas and Pillman Jr. at the same show, which makes me think, yeah, that's an angle. Oh. Because they had history. Oh, big uh, moonsault body block from Liger. And they're, they're, nice. you can tell they, they don't know how many of these people are wrestling fans compared to how many are just like shoppers who've decided to sort of... Uh, Fuck going to the great train store. There's a wrestling match going on here mm. um, because you, they're, they're putting some big moves out. You know, you've got two guys here who know each other very well, who had an amazing set of matches about, what, three or four years earlier. This is a precursor to that 97-98 style where matches got really short and sharp. Uh, they shouldn't be that bad here in 95. But yeah, as you said, TV audience, they so, so, so far they've, as, as far as, a, you know, you could nitpick a few wrestling things, and I'm sure we will with the rest of the show, but from a TV presentation perspective, I'm completely picking up what they're putting down. Yeah. I mean, this, the whole card, we've got three matches, and the whole card is people who are really, really familiar with each other, oh. who you can, hang, you can hang your hat on. You know, you know it's going to be, you know exactly what you're going to get with them all. Just so don't you hang don't your hat to... on that blown runner. <laughs> yeah, you, you know, so you you basically um yeah you don't have to worry about the in ring product you can just concentrate on all the other bits but yeah I like the fact we got like people standing on the second level of the the shopping mall and stuff it's it's just struck me why um yeah I, I I didn't watch these first few nitros exactly when they happened I eventually got around to watching them later on. But I didn't get that exact vibe from like bang on September 95. But it's just occurred to me why I think I'm digging it right now is because the mainstream product, as we know, is so homogenized. Uh, 
to see this now, I mean, you, you'd kill to see something like this in yeah. modern wrestling. Just something different. Oh, and Liger's uh, got him up in the, the surfboard. That move always gets such a good pop. Yeah. Not a complaint, an observation. No, it's great. And, you know, I remember in the days of Brit- old days of British wrestling, Steve Gray using that. That was one of his famous moves as well. And, yeah, it always gets a great reaction. It looks, it just looks spectacular. Yeah. yeah. I'm surprised a few people don't bust out now just for the relative ease. Mm. I mean, I've I've never been in the ring, so I'm not sure the exact cooperation, but it, it, it's never looked that difficult. Yeah. For for a, a trained wrestler, I should I should disclaim. <laughs> yes, get out of the way, Nick Patrick. <laughs> Heaven forbid he has to sell something. We don't want that. I was going to say we don't want him taking a bump. <laughs> oh, somersault dive to the floor by uh, Liger. Pillman just misses the steps. Liger's far more up for this than Pillman is. Mm. But then I think Pillman knows what's coming because Pillman's got the four horsemen in his future. Well, I was going to say, is Pillman a face or a heel or what at this stage? Oh, good question. He he might be just turning heel. But obviously for this, it's like, right, this this pairing has, has a... A rich, t- it's a rich part of the tapestry of WCW. This would be a great way to start the show. We said this. Remember when we were talking about what world of sport wrestling should and shouldn't oh, do? Big, big dive off the top right oh, from Pillman. So there's another. You see, uh, now high, he's up high there. spot for yeah, yeah high spot for play. the crowd. Look at the crowd. The crowd are loving it. This is exactly what you want. Yeah. You know, even the casuals. Is, yeah. No, this is good. But we said yeah, about world of sport wrestling. Um, yeah. Like, if they'd have started something with, like, Will Ospreay versus British Bulldog Jr. and have that right as a first match, it leaves an impression. I think this, this is what springs to mind when you think of a first match on the first show, is these guys did, you know, so much have done right already, and this was one of them. Stick these two guys out there. It's not comparable to Super Bowl 2, but it's a good little greatest hits package. Yeah, but you don't want it to be comparable to Super Bowl 2 because that was a to- that's a pay-per-view that people have gone out their way to deliberately buy. Mm. I would imagine, I don't know for, for a fact, but I would imagine given this in a shopping mall, you couldn't charge people entrance. It's just come, you know, first come, first served. So just force them to buy a churro. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> oh, nice. Pillman always kick. does that spot and I never get bored of it. Yeah, the drop kick off, intercepting a dive off the top with a drop kick always looks spectacular. As you said, Pillman always nails it. Yeah, the old mid-air drop. I love it. It's he's, he's one of his little things. He'd always work into a match and, yeah, never get bored of seeing it. So Liger now going for a power bomb. Oh, is his finish, the Liger bomb? Just the two count. Nick Patrick does his old lifting the other guy's shoulders up to make sure he <laughs> yeah. gets out in time. But he did it away from the hard cam, so you didn't really know. Very subtle little flick of the fingers, weren't it? Yeah. Yeah, that weren't a Liger bomb. That was just a regular power bomb, so he's all right to kick out of it. (laughs) Here we go. We're up for a top rope hurricane, Rana. For the record, Michael's doing a really good job so far of just going, oh, wow, oh, my gosh. Yeah. Uh, Bischoff was just going, oh, my God, at that power, that um, hurricane Rana as well, I'm sure. Jerry Styles was suing for copyright. It's early Don West from Steve McMichael, and I don't mean that in a disparaging way. Mm. This is what I think WWE want from a third guy on the commentary. But the third guy tries to do more than just exclamation point things. 
you want you want a host, an analyst, and an exclamation point guy. And if yeah. those three do more than that, then it just becomes a clusterfuck. Much like SoCal Valen, well, on WS, yeah, she's very much that role. Yeah, does, does it well. So Pillman just got a two count with a tornado DDT. Yeah, they're, they're, they're yeah, getting all Pilman, the good moves in. There you go. Pillman reverses a, an attempt at a German suplex into a sort of a modified victory roll, gets the three count. He looks fired up for that, and the, the crowd are loving it. Yeah, it was, it was a shame to see so many nice moves. They really hit a nice sprint there, and suddenly there's a roll-up. They must have, I didn't see the QM. They must have got told yet. Yeah, that's your lot. But... Um, it was weird hearing Heenan say, yeah, he's got him, because normally, it's, especially in the 90s, it's a no-no to, to say he's got him if, if they're not kicking out. Mm. Show a sportsmanship. And then we get the highlight reel, the crossbody off the top to the floor. The highlight reel could be as long as a match. It was one of them sort yeah. of matches. Oh, and there's, there's the, the mid-air interception drop kick. Oh, I buttoned him on the chest. That was brilliant. And then the roll-up. Probably the worst move of the match. They, they screwed up. Well, other than that, um, they screwed something else up earlier and they screwed the finish yeah. up. Otherwise, it was just fun watching them go balls to the wall for, well, for six, seven look, minutes. If you look at that replay, Liger's, sh- Liger's shoulder is, has no pressure on it at all. He could easily pop it up. But I hey, think it was making... weaker than Austin Hart after he broke his neck. Mm, oh, man. Do you remember Bleach Blonde Sting, Dean? I remember Bleach Bond's thing very well, yes. Yeah, you were looking forward to seeing him have his uh, his legacy destroyed or something, weren't you? Sucking oh, up to Vader. The, the, the myth of Sting. The myth he, of he Sting. Just, he uh, destroyed the myth of Sting at the Great American Battle. You helped Sting. him destroy the myth of Sting. You put the words in his mouth. Because uh, obviously he, he really did give that interview to WCW Magazine, yeah. I can see a Toys R Us. Oh, we've that... got Eric Bischoff now. With uh, Hulk, oh, Pastamania! Pastamania! This is why it was at the Mall of America because of Hulk Hogan's Pastamania restaurant. Uh, I was just paying it loads of compliments and remembering, yeah, Mall of America sucks. This episode sucks. So, given given that that I can't eat wheat because I'm wheat intolerant, <laughs> does this mean that I'm therefore Hulk Hogan intolerant? I think you already knew that before you knew if you're well, wheat yeah, intolerant. There was that, yeah. Notice how every fan here is under the age of 12. There's, <laughs> yeah. a, there's a reason. At this stage in, in Babyface Hogan's career, you could not pay someone over the age of 13 to be a part of this little spot. So, oh, I see what you mean. So I was, I was, I was thinking something a bit more sinister there. I was thinking, like, is there something about You Hulk were taking the Jimmy hurt? Savile route. I, I, well, yeah, I was thinking that. No, I'm sure, I'm, I'm sure Hogan's not like that. Just but so, got... now that I've brought his name up, just so I don't have to cover this actual segment, did you hear about that time after all the Jimmy Savile things came out? Did you hear what happened on BBC Radio Ulster? Where someone emailed Oh, just in. someone phoned up, um... And said, yeah, uh, yeah and, and said, well, in, in his defence, he was actually quite nice to me when I was a kid. He taught me how to milk a cow blindfolded. Yes. And they read it out because they, they were looking for someone to say something positive. So I've rushed to read that out and they had to eat humble pie and apologise. <laughs> Amazing. Do you know, I actually ended up um, walking past the Mall of America once. When I was flying to Toronto, we had a stopover in Minneapolis and it was a snowstorm. And our flight 
connecting flight was cancelled and put rescheduled for the next morning. And we ended up in Minneapolis. I believe I believe this is quite near the airport. So we, def- we definitely, on the way from the airport to the hotel, we passed it or something. I remember definitely passing it and thinking there's a little bit of wrestling history. I do that all the time. I, I, I was sent out to Baltimore for work a couple of years ago, just there for two nights. And when I had a few ads myself, I did usually. You know, I went to the Babe Ruth Museum. I've got a lovely little stretch where the uh, NFL's Ravens and the Orioles, their baseball side, are just like a, sh- a block away from each other. A little walk around, do the shops there and all that. Uh, and I had to just go to where the Baltimore Arena was. Even though I couldn't get in. I basically Ooh. sat across the road from Baltimore Arena and ate my lunch thinking of all the famous events I've had, all the Great American Bashes, all the other big events. Like, Speaking uh, of the Great American like Bash. Like Flair v. Sting, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> what about that for a segue? I didn't even plan oh, that. So Flair is gone. Would it be, yeah, you don't, this, this is a great thing about where you basically put wrestling in a bit of real life because here we've got a real life shopping mall where real life people do real life shopping and then you've got wrestlers dressed like this. You know, this is what I've said before. And this is one of the things that Andre Baker, who trained Doug Williams and so many other people, he always used to say wrestling is meant to be larger than life. You know, if you, he always used to say, if you wanted to see two people who look like your next door neighbor having a fight, you'd go to the pub and you look at the, you look at the costumes and the imagery and just the visual spectacle of these two in an, in a shopping mall. And, it, you know, wrestling is larger than life. Wrestling is amazing. And holy shit, Lex Luger has just turned There up. he is. Now, he's not dressed as glitzy as the others. But in fairness, at this stage in his career, he doesn't fucking have to. For, for context, and every wrestling fan knows this, but the was it the night before or eight days before, yeah, maybe? the night before he was working. He was... He was working at WWF house show the night before, but he'd work. He was working without. And contract. SummerSlam was his last televised appearance, maybe eight days before, wasn't it? Yeah. End of August, where I think he ran in on the main event, and and there he is. His contract's run out, and as Bischoff said, he didn't want to hire him. Sting pushed for it heavily, and well, do you know what sold it to Bischoff? Just having yeah. this moment. That, that's what it was about. The, the way he's commentating, the way he set this show up. He, to his credit, Bischoff got TV in the nineties. Even if his uh, lack of understanding of wrestling booking meant that after the NWO he had nothing to offer. Yeah. Uh, you, got you got the... Sorry, carry on. No, I just basically just repeat myself. Sorry. <laughs> no, I was going to say just just imagine, just imagine if Twitter and social media was around at this in 1995. Imagine how Twitter would have gone apeshit at this point when Luger turned up. OMG, Lex Luger, WTF, thought he was dead, LOL. Oh, wait, that was Kevin Nash, wasn't it? Yeah. <laughs> thought I'd I'm surprised that. Kevin Nash hasn't blown his quad tweeting yet. But, <laughs> but um, yeah, it's an interesting point you make about the costumes. Sting, you know, especially in his pre-Crow situation, yeah, larger than life. Flair and his music and his robes, obviously. Jushin Thunder Liger, yeah, I mean, come on. Um, and Pillman who doesn't tick that box automatically, but you noted the outfit he was wearing was a new one. It was a standout one. It's almost like there was a mandate. Everyone catch, come out and catch the casual audience's eye. So yeah. you've got guys like Sting, Flair, Liger, who do it just the way they do business. And Pillman got the memo and thought, well, I've just got to step up my presentation game a little bit. It yeah. makes you think. It was probably exactly what was said to him or exactly what he maybe came up with himself in furnace. 
typical Sting start here. Yeah, he's 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 overpowered him. He's got the drop kicks in, flares out. He's 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 jaw jacking with the crowd. This is, you know what? They've had they've had about ten four star plus matches, and this one is starting the same way as all the rest of them do. And I've got no complaints about that. Well, this is like you said about Pillman Liger. This is this is like their greatest hits. You know, they can wrestle each other in their sleep, basically. This, the, the pace of this TV show is mesmerising, <coughs> especially considering Raw and SmackDown now and the lack of alternatives. Uh, this is just such a mesmerising pace. Well, this is just bang, 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 isn't it? Yeah. I mean, bear in mind the adverts have been cut out of this. There would have been ad breaks. But even so. Yeah. You used to advert if you're watching general television, you're used to that. But yeah, in this instance, makes it even better. Uh, it's worth saying this, this is a sort of pace that Vince Russo always philosoph- philosophized about. I've completely butchered that pronunciation, but fuck it. Um, but you think, even though there's, you know, it, the, the theory holds water, but in wow. <laughs> Flair just cross-bodied Sting over the ropes. That was a cool spot. And the um, crowd, the crowd are going crazy. The crowd yeah, are going crazy. They've got for the it. right crowd here. I don't know if it's just sustained week after week, but for the first episode, they've nailed it. Um, so Russo was always saying about hot pace, you know, keep it, keep it moving and that. And yet these guys are doing it just by rolling out two or three tried and tested WCW matches, reliable performers, wrestling, albeit at a faster pace, no rest holds. This is the opposite of what Russo does, even though it's a style that Russo says works. So it proves that even if Russo has a few points about the way wrestling TV should be, doesn't mean he's not shit at it. And this is a great example of how you can get that that fast-paced, exciting, must-watch vibe without having miscarriage angles and people buried in deserts yeah. and what have you. I think Flair's got in like virtually his first offensive move, save for a poke in the eye. With Other than el- the crossbody. Don't forget that crossbody. That oh, was a the move of the match. It's better than anything the Liger and Pillman pulled off. <laughs> I love the people take a going break. up. Yeah. I love Spoiler the people going up the escalator in the background. Yeah. I would, do you know what? what? If I was there, I would actually watch the whole show from the escalators. I'd just do laps. <laughs> because why not I bet you at least one person's doing that just for the sake of it just you know, who can ever say I've watched the entire show on that escalator when I was a little kid I used to love going up and down escalators they're brilliant did your I parents quite... ever make you frightened of not stepping off in time at the end oh like, yeah if you don't step off in time it's going to gobble you up you yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah uh, it's another it's about the fifth press slam of this match Sixth. <laughs> he just, oh, I think Arne he's going to press out. slam him to death. Arn Anson's out in a fucking shell suit or something. Well, what did we say? Catchy eye. <laughs> Arn Anderson has come dressed as a comedy scouser. Can anyone do that slow, surly walk better than Arn Anderson? No one moves like Arn Anderson. There was the a time when he was dressed as a masked man and it was so obviously him because of the way he was moving, the crowd started chanting arm. <laughs> but he, he just had that little strut going on, like the shoulders just wagging gently, that look on his face like he's chewed a wasp. Ooh. Proper hill. I think only, maybe only Mr. Hughes strikes me as someone who had that, had that, about oh, him. that snarl, Hughes. that big shoulder walk. 
he, you know, he was a, not a great wrestler, but he knew how to carry himself as a bad guy. We've we've had the trademark flair spot of the flip over the buckles and clothesline on the apron. Now Sting's up on the top, getting the old ten count from the crowd, ten punches. Now he's going to sell each of these like gunshot. Then always, Sting's uh, Sting's going to sell his chops like he's just been tickled with a feather. I always hate that spot though, the ten punches in the corner. I know, but these two can do what the hell they like. They did it on the first Nitro, and if you remember, Dean, they did it on the last one. And that yeah, was... they bookended the whole oh, 288 man. Nitros. They were on number one and number 288, yeah. That should never have been the way Nitro ended with reference to the whole WWE fingerprints. But, you know what? The main event was perfect. And he was yeah. so insecure at that point about his physique that he wore a T-shirt. Yep. We, co- we covered Greed one of the episodes the last pay-per-view and he's wearing a Hawaiian shirt. He just didn't want to go topless. He was feeling that insecure. But uh, but no, the, 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 this match is WCW. Probably more so than Sting Vader. And Sting Vader is WCW. Oh, ref had to do the old shoulder push-up yeah, there. Yeah. Sting wasn't quite getting the bridge up. I was going to say the Patrick can is up to two, but this is a different ref. This is Randy Wee Anderson, mate. Yeah, so it's just a... <laughs> they're all well-trained to do that. We now have the philosophy where if someone forgets, you have to count it down, which is... I know you're going for realism, but I'm sure as someone who actually, you know, is at the at ringside for a lot of matches, that's just not good protocol, is it? You don't no, want I've, a big I've match there, and a big yeah. finish screwed up by a question yeah. of naturalism. I've I've been there where the ref has counted three because the person hasn't kicked out and and mass confusion reigns and it's not everything it just kills everything mm. and I think oh and Sting's turned his back on Flair and has been chop blocked but I you I think you deserved it sorry Sting but you deserved that I think with the ref doing that you can you can cover it by saying simply saying the ref is just checking the shoulders definitely down that's all you need to say you know job yeah. of a commentator is to yeah, you want to make it sound and feel real, and so you, you cover those things. Yes. Like this, just the whole theory that reversing... That? No, I didn't miss that. I was just wondering what that was all about. but No, but the fact, as you said, the fans have been hot for this all night, and they're into this figure four spot. Every time Sting flinches and threatens to move it over, to flip and it Anderson, over. And Anderson has now got in the ring... And he's confronting... Ah, this has been him and Flair were feuding, wasn't it? So we've got a... Yeah! But the DQ was a soft one. He stepped into the ring and he rang the bell. At least yeah. wait until he's ruined the match. Yeah, here we go. I had forgotten so Looking that. at the reaction of this, I think most of these people, at least the people in the front are wrestling fans. Maybe people further back aren't. But the way everyone was stood up when Luger arrived and... Well, most of them are wearing Hulk shirts, so the wrestling fans bit's debatable. Is that a cheesecake factory, I see? <laughs> I am doing that... spot the shop, yes. Oh, no, so... Oh, and he's... Arne's just gone to get his jacket back. They're trying to tease, like, him and, and Sting. Scott Norton's just comment. turned up. Don't touch Heenan's neck, whatever you do. Yes, Scott Norton's shouting to Bischoff that he signed the contract. So I'm ge- Sting's a US champ at this point, so I'm guessing him interrupting now means he's a US title contender. 
Oh, we're scrolling up to Mongo. Oh, and now Macho Man's come out to uh, stop Scott Norton having to go at Mongo. This is yeah, yeah. hindsight twenty twenty. We know not to care about Norton and Mongo, but it's interesting. It's watchable. This has been so a Norton TV and Macho show Man so face to face. Yeah, I mean the thing with Scott Norton is he's enormous. So to the casual fan. He looks, and there you go, Macho Man wearing, uh, I think he's wearing the tights that Jay Lethal was wearing all in. Um, oh, Doug Dellinger spotting. Yeah. So Macho Man now wants Scott Norton, but we're not going to have that match. But hey, the fans have got an appearance of the Macho Man, another you know, guy that everyone knows. And you've got like an unscripted, unpredictable moment, which, you know, Bischoff's big on. And as well as we've already had... Yeah, we've already had Luger come out. Of course, the biggest unscripted moment ever in Nitrous, you had to and Scott Hall came out. Oh, we've now got a promo for Sabu. <laughs> the worst fit in WCW ever. He just didn't... It, it was amazing this, this time, because it's like, he was Japan and ECW all over. He wasn't mainstream. He wasn't suitable for mainstream. He he struggled in New Japan. He 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 was made for like FMW and, and ECW and WCW kind of tried to censor him a bit and it just failed dismally. And I've got to say, though, if you're going to promote someone's appearance on this show, uh, Sabu's not a bad chat because quick uh, text and word free 30-second clip of his highlights and you know for a show that's already caught the eye you know Cage is going to sit and think who's yeah. that wild man so, we know uh, it didn't work out but yeah yeah here's Mean Gene dressed as I don't know if he's a librarian or a maths professor or he something he got the mandate as well didn't he catchy eye in his dog tooth jacket seizure inducing uh, Mike Hill from Coleman Alabama has won a Harley Davidson Mike Hill, that's a proper Harley rider name, isn't it? Yeah. And Alabama is a Harley rider. I know it's all stereotypes, but I feel like they dun, picked dun, the right dun, one. Dun, 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 I sell oh, propane that's and propane, propane accessories. accessories. See, who thought this would be a bad idea? We get, we get w- to quote w- King Saturday of the Hill. What's that? Do you want to be bad and who's that? Oh, Dick Slater. Do you want to be bad and Dick Slater? One after the tag champs. Oh. Why would you want Johnny to be bad against Dick Slater? But I do kind of want to see Sting and Savage against the Blue Bloods. Because Sting versus Regal was just always so intriguing. Mm. I think we've got some mascot in the background. I don't know if you can see. Walking just by the ringside area. Is that Wildcat? That's Wildcat Willie, the WCW, short-lived WCW mascot. Uh, down in the bottom corner, yeah. Yeah. And their new mascot, People on Escalator. Oh, now this is uh, Michael Wall Street, oh, VK Wall Street, wasn't he? Yes. So he, he had recently joined because he was definitely in WWE early 95. As IRS. He's now mocking the new generation. So first shots fired of the Monday night era, unless I missed something. But I know hits the big guy with three super kicks is next week. Name dropping all the headliners who he's not going to wrestle. 
The IRS is going to be watching him real close. Oh. He's wearing a rip-off Teddy Rossi jacket. Oh. And wasn't he VK Wall Street, as in Vincent Kennedy? He just referred to himself as Michael, but VK was definitely a thing at one point. And here's the... Mo- We're already at the main event. This has blown by, and not in a bad way. Right, and now Big Bubba Rogers, who isn't dressed up because he's just wearing a suit. But, but with his size and his he's look... He's enormous, I was going to he say. Still he still looks the part like that. And people know him as... you know They know him from being the big boss man as well. And I said, because it, it weren't insignificant when he was Bubba Rogers before the boss man. When he jumped back to WCW, I said this, every time we cover the boss or the guardian angel, they should have just gone straight to Bubba Rogers. Because in a suit, as, a, as an intimidating heavy, it's always going to work. The face thing didn't work. Uh, trying to pretend to be the boss man still didn't work. But that generic hill theme I do love. Here comes Hogan with his his theme tune that's like one note different to um, Real American. I never minded that. But I think basically if it's a WCW theme, I liked it. And we'll see that once his show ends. But um, WCW rip-off themes, never. Maybe I've just got a hard-on for the WCW era, but honestly, like, there's not many WCW themes that I actually can say I hate. The Nasty Boys one is one. We, Me, you, and Justin discussed that on the last episode. He's the well, champ the, uh, at the moment. The crowds are losing their shit. The, the Cheesecake Factory is emptying to see Hulk Hogan. Yeah, I'm not sure about Build a Bear Factory. There might still be a few people in there. <laughs> but yeah, as I said, there, there's a lot of Hogan shirts in the front row. That's all strategic, obviously. But people know who he is. So, you know, I'd like to do in a Build a Bear factory. You know, you can you can get the bits where you like you, you you can record a voice message and then you squeeze a part of the bear's body and it plays the message. Yes, I've always wanted right to get a build get a bear, have its paw in like a sling. But you have to squeeze its paw to make it play the message, and the message would be, "Ah, get off my fucking paw." That would be pretty sweet. Yeah, uh, I nearly I went to build a bit. Yeah, I nearly went to build a bear factory very recently. They did the novel concept where you go there with your kid, and you can get any toy, and you pay Their your age. kid's age. And, oh, they were riots, weren't they? Yeah, well, anticipating how popular this thing would be, when Gemma suggested I take Izzy down there, my reaction was Randy Savage-esque. Nope! Nope! I had to get that in. I'm just I'm just apologetic that when I was talking about Russo earlier, I didn't get a bro in. Bro, yeah, bro. I was waiting for it. Sorry. So here we go. This is Hogan. It's Hogan v. Big Bubba Rogers. This... This is going to be a Hogan match by the numbers, isn't it? Ah, he, he has basically handpicked his most comfortable opponent off the roster. And you know what? Yep. For this first main event, it's fucking fine. Oh, is, I, I, I like yeah. what Bubba Rogers can do. These two, you know, it's not going to be a great match. But then Sting Flair, Liger Pillman were not four-star matches. We have to realise. They were just very enjoyable to watch. They, I think they epitomised TV match. They yeah. really did. I think They've this had one will four-star matches in the past, but not not here because this isn't the place for a four-star match. This is the place for a crash-bang wallop. Give the crowd an idea of, you know, especially think about, you know, there's no Raw. So if you're a wrestling fan and you're watching this, you've got this 100-mile-an-hour show with loads of big names, some of whom you'll know from from WWF. If you're in the live crowd, you've got, you know, people who are, are 
either from very familiar household names or look spectacular. They're, they're ticking all the boxes here. Yeah. And, uh, you know, probably not four-star, but these two have had a couple of blinders. They had a really good cage match on yeah. Saturday's main event. So yeah. they can work. They'll go at well, the pace they choose to go at. But so far, Rogers is, you know, he's happy to do a few of his better, fast, big man moves. And Hogan's selling. There's nothing offensive to the eyes at the moment. Yeah, didn't they do a superplex off the cage or something? Yeah, like, I think, like, it's a, it was a top rope superplex, weren't it? But you're kind of on the cage a bit. Oh, I think okay. I've, I've only seen a couple of guys do a full-on cage superplex. I think, I feel like Ted DiBiase and Scott Steiner did it in 93 in one of my favourite ever matches. They had a, a Steiner's Money Inc. tag title cage match on a little TV special they used to always do before SummerSlam. And, you know, I, I tell everyone about it. That's one of my favourite tag matches ever, and they had a hell of a superplex. And Brett Owen at SummerSlam 94. Ah, yes. That was off the cage bars, and that wasn't was, it? Yeah, that was still with the big blue cage, wasn't it, at that time? Well, yeah. I like the big... People used to moan about it until we moved to the regular cage, but I like to see it come back every now and then. It served its purpose. Yeah, I, I didn't like the red Hell in the Cell, I have to say. That was weird. That looked like a kid's toy. Here we go. Hogan's now getting boots to the face of uh, Rogers, who looks like he's had a seizure. Oh, now he's gone down. There's a Hogan Sucks t-shirt, a spanner in the front row. Hogan is a wimp. The rebellion <laughs> right next has started. To it. Can you imagine there's, there's two fans coordinating? Right, smuggle the signs in. And when he's doing his big pose, the referee just pulled Hogan off the clinch by the hair. Didn't expect to see that. But no, those two fans had like they've they've done this like an organised protest, didn't they? Really, hard cam must be on him now. He's posing. Go 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 go. And I bet you those signs have been uh, confiscated already. Yeah, I can see someone with a baseball bat. Oh, Jimmy Hart's bat. in trouble now. See, I was actually there at the Royal Albert Hall for the Battle Royal at the Albert Hall where oh, yeah. um, Bossman was fighting Earthquake, did the runs a rope, straddles him on the middle and then does the thing where he slides out of the ring and punches him. Yeah. And he did that, but instead of punching Earthquake, he punched Jimmy Hart. And obviously, I think if not for the fact that he's the heel and Hart's actually the face here, he'd have done the exact same thing. Yeah. Hart also got the memo about dressing to catch the eye. Look at those pants. <laughs> Mind you, Jimmy Hart was never understated, was he? No, but he's reached a new level. By the way, did I mention that a wrestling media con, Martin Goldsmith, came out for his Hall of Fame induction wearing in, in the money jacket. SummerSlam 92 jacket? That yeah. was brilliant. I know I know that belongs to you. I've, uh, I've, that's turned up at a Hooked on Wrestling party before, that jacket. Oh, did you? Yeah. Was this was this when you were that? No, you used the million dollar man. You weren't Jimmy Hart, were you? I no, remember I when dressed, you did yeah. the. Your yeah, Dibiossi laugh was... sucked, to be fair, but your your dress was brilliant. Well, thank you. And you even got your other half to dress up as Sherry. That woman is a saint. <laughs> <laughs> These yeah, two are working such a pace. I can't believe it. This is like a, a typical Hogan match with the action sped up and Hogan on the offense a bit more than yeah, usual. Yeah, they're, they're, they're both working up a sweat here. Mm. It's a fun match. 
Hogan isn't the best work you ever see, but if he applies himself, he's generally fun to watch because yeah. he's got personality, not just as a personality, but in everything he does, he puts personality into it. He's a big guy who can move when he feels like it. He's but actually he, easy to watch when he works. So look at his stuff in Japan, for instance. Oh yeah, that's the word because he knew he had to work. Then it just wouldn't be accepted if he didn't. But do you know what? The yeah, the the baby face red and yellow Hogan. He's looking literally and figuratively is looking really old at this point. Yeah, you know, you can tell it's it, the the time is ripe for a change because. Yeah, you wouldn't have you wouldn't have dared see Hogan sucks. Oh, sidewalk slam. You wouldn't dare see a Hogan sucks sign in the front row of a WWF show when he was riding high. Here no, we go. They were, they were more on top up. of it. He's kicked out. He's kicked out of the sidewalk slam. He's hulked up. Big Bubba is now punching Hogan in the face to no effect. Do you remember when I said earlier that so even just said I've been... seen this happen before? Yeah, yeah. every fucking Hogan match, Bobby. <laughs> Do you remember when I said before that this match has surprised me and there's been nothing that's offended me so far? Yeah. Well, that's changed. This offends me. <laughs> but you know, other than him finishing with the usual, which you have to come Here to expect, go. I've and enjoyed watching leg this. Leg drop, and one, two, three. He got off him before the three count. Fuck's sake, Hogan, cover him properly. Uh, he had the cover technically, so I'll cut him some slack. But that is that is a bit insulting, isn't it? You know As what? a baby Look, face, you know, hook, hook the leg and make yeah. it mean so when you hear the third slap of the mat, make it sound like it means something to you. No wonder yeah. people fucking hated him. He's be- I don't even think he's sweating, is he? Mind you, I suppose it's in an aircon shopping centre. But... He is. Rogers is. I mean, th- those two ran around for a bit, and I enjoyed watching that. Oh, shit, the, the bed. Here comes the Dungeon of Doom. <laughs> Kevin Sullivan, Zodiac, and Kamala. Look at the state of them. And look at Sullivan. He's up to Hogan's leg. Oh, Luger's in. Oh, Meng and Earthquake, or sorry, Avalanche, whatever his shark, whatever the fuck Lex he is. Lex Luger's helping him. Oh, and him and him and Luger and Hogan have back to back, and Hogan, who clearly hasn't been watching the show prior to this match, is shocked as to what Lex Luger's doing in here. Monochrome Lex Luger with his eighties Pat Sharp mullet. Yeah, it works as a moment, to be fair. Yep. And now we've got Hogan and Sting. Oh, so you got there you go, you got Hogan's old chum Savage and Luger's old chum Sting. Okay, so I've got to uh, interject here. This is a segue because they were setting up a big brawl between the Babyface superpowers, which would have included Vader, who had turned face against Flair and the Dungeon of Doom, against the Dungeon of Doom in the War Games. Vader's ah. out, they've signed Luger, so that's an easy fit. And this is their little angle that explains why it's going to be Luger, not Vader, on the Babyface superpowers. But it won't last long because uh, I think by Halloween Havoc, Luke would be heel and fighting Savage, and then come uncensored in six months in that that absolute abomination we covered in a previous episode with Mr. Benson. Uh, he's siding with the Dungeon of Doom and Jimmy Hart. Who? Oh, spoiler alert! Jimmy Hart turns heel. Sorry. Yeah. Oh, here we are. Coming up, more Nitro. So we've basically got the four biggest, with the exception of Flair, you got the four biggest stars in WCW all in the ring together. Then. I don't know where that 45 minutes has gone. That was no. so enjoyable. I, I'm not oh. even exaggerating. Other than watching Hulk Hogan's usual finish, uh, that was 
That's what people want from a wrestling TV show. Such a brisk pace, such a little pumping of... Yeah, and it's not going to be like this every week. Week two, three, four, you'll get more progression, some more, some different faces, more the usual. But as an introduction, they've picked the exact perfect matches. Oh, here's me and Gene playing the role with Jerry Springer. Here you go. What's Luger's saying? Why he's here? Yeah, Luger's making it clear that they're not friends. Yeah, he wants Hogan's belt. Everyone wants the belt. You're the only heavyweight champion. I, you're not Diesel. And remember, if if Poochie is not in the room, everybody should be asking, "Where's Poochie?" <laughs> in fairness, Hogan's right there in front of him, but this was a common symptom of Hogan TV. Everyone would have to reference Hogan in their promo, even if they're in a mid-card grudge. <laughs> uh, the big boys. Luger doesn't want to play around with kids. Jimmy Savile on the good. other hand. Sorry, I thought we've already mentioned him. We're, we're down the rabbit hole. I so, know where you've been, brother. See, now, if this was the Starcade main event, I'd totally get this. And to be fair, why the hell not line this up for Starcade? I'd watch it the first time. Yeah. Weren't a fan of watching it in 2000, but... No, definitely. I don't even think Hogan works Starcade 95. Wasn't that the WWE Japan tournament? Yeah, and they had a triangle match. Sting, Luger and Flair. Flair won and then beat Savage for the title. Yeah, well, like it's you said, an interesting good, good shot. Shout. Hogan, Luger would have been a great main event. It looks like, you know, if this is WWE and this happens on a landmark TV show in September, that's exactly where they're going in December. Oh, they've agreed to a, a match at some point. On a TV show, which oh, it rushes it, but they've got the hard-on for the TV, obviously. Now there's a shoving match and Sting and Savage. If I was Sting and Savage, just go and fight, and I'll beat the winner. And that's it. We've set up a future match to get people back. Oh, man, I... I can't believe we're watching this. Knowing what Nitro was like in 1999. Next Monday, he just said, so they're giving away the next week. Ah, they're head-to-head. They're head-to-head with WWF Monday Night Raw, aren't they? So they're telling us next week, Hogan Luger, first-time singles match for the title. Yeah. And uh, Mongo's got a dog. Yeah. I forgot about that. I dog. feel like I should remember that. And it's wearing devil horns in September. What a way to finish a show. That music sounds familiar. I feel like they've stolen it off of our intro. <laughs> so, 44 minutes, 56 seconds. It runs 45.04 in total just with a, like the final image. That felt like it lasted about 10 minutes. And that's the highest praise you can pay to a television show that blew by wow. Dean that, that was a yeah. lot of fun and 
this was a lot of fun and so I really hope we get a chance to do more of these unless that, everyone yeah. goes please don't do that again it was rancid it was awful Fuck yeah <laughs> <laughs> but I'm just uh, I'm just looking up um, episode 2 of Monday Nitro compared to what was on Raw that I think it might that not week. have been week 2 but very early on you get that he beats the big guy with three super kicks which is also where you had that Sid promo I think or was that later on? That night might be. No, I think that was an in your house, wasn't it? Where he goes, oh, can we can we start over? And Jim Ross goes, we're live, pal. Live, pal, yeah. No, I think. Um, I mean, I'm just trying to. I'm just trying to find it now, but because um, yeah, Raw started to pick up steam at this point because like I'm just looking up the next because yeah, the next week, the next week Raw was back live. And they had Michaels against Sid for the Intercontinental Championship as the main event. So that was head to head with Hogan v Luger. He beats the big guy three super kicks. Yeah. And then you had um, the recorded one was Owen Hart and Yoko Zuni against Men on a Mission. So not a strong main <laughs> event, but because it was obviously taped, I'm guessing they didn't think it would be. Please tell uh, me Yoko and Mabel worked the majority of that match. That'd be amazing. Then you had, then the next week, so the next live Raw they did after that, they had the Smoking Guns beat Owen and Yoko to win the tag belt. So they had a, t- a tag title change on... Um, that was just after the big triple header controversy. Do you remember that? They advertised the no. main event for an In Your House where you had WWF champion Shawn Michaels. No, Intercontinental champion Shawn Michaels, WWF champion Diesel facing the tag champions Owen and Yoko and every belt was on the line if someone pinned the IC champ or the world champ they won that belt if Sean and Diesel won they outright won, won the tag belts and they did a cop out Dusty with um, uh, Owen couldn't make it he was running late due to a family emergency so they subbed in the British Bulldog like their running buddy so the match that actually happened was Bulldog and Yoko then Owen Hart runs in right at the end, eats a power bomb and gets pinned, and, uh, then, they, and then they loophole it like, oh, you, you know, Gorilla Monsoon gave the the power of being tag champion to Bulldog for one night only, yeah, so he can't count, and so he goes, yeah, you're right, I have to give him back, but you defend them tonight, smoke guns, win, blah, blah, all done. So yeah, yeah, so it was, it was an done... interesting time, even though even though the majority of the product sucked. That's yeah, just just um just looking at episode two, which I'm sure we'll we'll cover shortly. But basically, everything that they've set up in episode one happens for episode two. So you've got Sabu, you've got Sting against VK. He was VK Wall Street. You've got Savage and Scott Norton, and you've got Hogan and Lex Luger all on the second show. So they really are throwing, literally throwing everything everything at this and they're doing it in a in a logical way where people who watch the first one are rewarded in the second one which is good you know so far so good um but i have to say he definitely called himself michael wall street in that promo and he's addressed as vk in episode two which i'm sure we'll discuss yeah. which just begs the question dean why because wcw indeed but no you know what you you are right Go, going by the way that went as long as people enjoy that, I uh, I can't wait to do it again. Yeah, it's it was been a lot, fun. It was a lot less prep. It was it was a little bit shorter and brisker. What well, it felt shorter as well. With a it was much much preferable to what to uh, watching. If 
fucking Super Bowl five or New Blood Rising, but then we won't be saying that if we make it as far as a ninety nine episode of Nitro. <laughs> but but you know what as well? It says to me and this is something I think you know, when I watch something like NXT or WOS, one hour is the perfect time for a wrestling show to me. Anything longer than that, you know, as a TV show, you know, as a, you know, pay-per-views and that are different. But as far as a, as far as a free television show goes, hour is the is the spot on amount of time. I think two two can be done. Well, two has been done successfully. So I think that otherwise I'd agree. But we've seen moments in the timelines of multiple promotions where two hour shows have been very watchable. So I dare say maybe, maybe if you've got everything going your way and you've got a good roster and the product's hot, you can push out two hours a week, but definitely no more than that. And yeah, I'd agree with you that one hour is optimal, but then it could be argued that NXT, for instance, has to go at them. They, the pace of NXT, you know, Time flies when you watch it because it's usually very good TV, but the pace of their their storytelling is definitely a lot slower, and it feels like they could do more with a little bit longer. And given that they've already flirted with extending the takeover lengths, and they've already you know they went from four Ooh. to five or six, they you can tell they're, they're they're always thinking about maybe adding more time to it because they're in a position where people like it and they've got enough workers. So I think that's what, yeah. So when when Nitro does jump from one to two, I don't think it's gonna hit us that hard if we keep doing this, because they're in a position they could. The product was watchable. There are enough good workers. There are enough stars. I think we did uh, the Havoc '96 with Quack, where we said there there was something about that roster at the time. They had big names that were drawing eyes. They had the workers that made them a cool product compared to. Uh, the WWE at the time, which was a bit of a, a shower of shit. And they had those workhorses, those Arn Andersons, those Barbarians, those Mings, who, 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 who did a lot to hold things together, those Benoits, Malenkos. So, it was a, yeah, it was an incredible time. And if we keep this going, Dean, this is going to be one hell of a journey. It's, it's definitely already very interesting after just one episode. It's, it's, it has left, you know, you watch, Having watched that one episode, you're kind of left wanting a bit, a bit more definitely. I kind of want to set this. up episode two nicely. I want to do this more. Do I want to record week two of Nitro for because WW more than I want to watch the next Monday Night Raw or SmackDown, <laughs> which is praise <laughs> slash indictment. Feel free to cross out whichever one you like. Yeah. maybe a sprinkle of both. Oh man, cool. Right now, do do you want to do a a, uh, a theme tune, or do you want to save them for the pay per view shows that we do? See, now I I don't know if we'll do this for every Nitro thing because we don't want to burn through all of them. But for this first one, you know, to bed in the transition a little bit, so our so our stalwart listeners don't get too many uh, symptoms of rash change. And because there's a theme tune I really, really, really want to inflict on everyone. And when I say inflict, people, some people see it this way, but to me, I love this theme. And ironically, we're, we're talking about dreading ever getting to a point where we're looking at Nitros from Night 9 2000. Uh, and we usually dread doing the pay-per-view editions from Night 9 2000. But theme tunes are theme tunes. I love those very theme tunes. And there's, there's one... 2000 2001 theme tune that I always loved 
I always track down and finally I think it's because six months ago I finally got my hands via YouTube of a a full clear version of this I want to get on it so if if you don't mind I'm going to stick one theme on this episode and we'll see what the viewers say about maybe doing themes on other nitros or maybe we'll just leave it at that but for now here is Elix Skipper's WCW theme this is my house Prime time, baby. Prime time, baby. I built this house. This is my house. Y'all should know who built this house. Prime time, kids. Prime time, kids. Show me the green and watch me go. Prime time, kids. Prime time, kids. Y'all should know who built this house. Prime time, kids. Prime time, kids. Show me the green and watch me go. Prime time, kids. This this sounds this sounds somewhat familiar, should we say? Yeah, I mean, let's face it. Seventy-five percent of those W themes either rip sync off or they basically just dipped into a public resource, like the same tracks you'd hear on adverts and infomercials during that yeah. time. Uh, this one is a blatant rip off, like a lot of them were. But what I liked about this is they've picked a style of music and a tempo that suits Edith Skipper. He's stylish. He, you know, he's an aerial wrestler. He had that swagger. Um, so that suited him down to a T. And more important for me, I like character-specific themes. So they've, ta- they've taken a riff off DMX, uh, basically, and they've applied it here. But it's the lyrics they've used where it's like, yo, well, no, who's in this house? Brown town, yeah, you know. It suits him. He's basically praising himself as he comes down to the ring, like any good heel should. So if, if you think of the Million Dollar Man and uh, Shawn Michaels' boy toy, you, you hear tunes like that where the heels basically singing their own praise. Come it's just heel 101. Uh, as I say, it, it suits him. It's character specific and it's catches all hell. So I've been waiting for a while to get a chance to do this. We've we've opened the door for guests to do the themes, but. Given that this is the first Nitro and we weren't sure if we we're going to do a theme, I was like, me, 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 me. It's, it's a, is it a guilt? Can we say it's a guilty pleasure of yours? Yeah. This tune? I don't even feel guilty about it, but I, <laughs> but I see exactly why it qualifies as a guilty pleasure. I completely get that. It should be a guilty pleasure of mine if I had a conscious. Let's just say that. Uh, but yeah, look. Even even back at the tail end, there were a few little things about their overall presentation that WCW got right. There weren't a lot of them. The place was all over the shop. Production values were, you know, the amount of gaffes that were making TV, even Thunder that was pre-taped and they'd still have 
like producers showing up on screen or the cutting to the wrong thing and that. So the place was a hot mess. And yet there was still an attention for detail in a few little places. And I guess kudos has to go to Jimmy Hart as one of those people who kept working to the bitter end. I mean, the man, the man volunteered to book Saturday night when they gave up on Saturday night as a viable thing. And I think he did have a... I don't think he got everything he pitched, but I believe they did let him, like, book a few matches and he'd run a few little insular angles and that. And, you know, whatever you want to say about Jimmy Hart, the man cared about wrestling. Oh, uh, yeah. Don't get me wrong, he probably still does, but back when he was very active in the industry, even when things were falling apart at WCW, he's a guy you'd, you know, you could tell he, if he was involved because the the effort and the and the success of it was there. Yeah. And music was his forte. He was the one ripping off all these artists, but by God, he, 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 <laughs> he, he ripped well. them off with gusto. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, cool. Right. Oh, just uh, just before we go, I must just mention big, big news coming out of one of uh, IPW this week. Oh, a couple of weeks ago. Um, we are we are going to uh, a new venue in London on November the 1st. We are making our debut. I'm really excited about this. We are going to be at the O2 Academy in Islington, London. And uh, big, big music venue. And I'm really looking forward to that. You'll have to come along, Liam, if you're free that night, if uh, if uh, all the family aren't, aren't ill. Yeah, um, I'll verbally commit myself and then by <laughs> the next like, the day of it. But um, yeah. no, do you know what, Dean? Yeah. That, that is a really cool venue for a wrestling yes. event. So, I'll, I'll so be, uh, if I can make it, I'll be really intrigued yeah. to see how that... November the 1st, O2 Academy in Islington. Main event has already been signed. Kip Sabian defends the IPW World Championship against the former champion, Mark Haskins. That is going to be awesome. Anyway, uh, we will wrap things up there. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you so much for downloading. If you have enjoyed this, please tell 10 friends. Uh, 12. 12 friends. We'll, we'll up it each month. Yeah. Um, if you want to get a hold of us on social media, we are on Twitter at BecauseWCW or Facebook.com forward slash BecauseWCW. And let us know what you thought about this because we really yes. want to know whether it's worth doing this. For me personally, I would like to watch more of these Nitros. And unless I've got a reason to, I probably won't. So please tell me this didn't fail miserably. <laughs> on behalf of Liam, this is the Twisted Genius saying thank you for listening, folks. And we'll see you ringside.